Hello and welcome to the Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Question and Answers Part 2, where we're breaking down Jesse Davis's symposium on nonviolence, answering and asking the questions that you have submitted. To bring in our, uh, I guess, kind of our guest host today, let's uh, let's pitch it over to Jesse. How are you doing today, man? Doing pretty good. You excited for yet another run through of this material and answering some new questions? Oh, yeah. I always love going over this stuff. It has been an absolutely uh, wonderful study, and we've received over 80 questions. So thank you to all of you who have taken time to submit some questions. Obviously, because of that, we're not going to be able to get to all of them. But one thing that really jumps out to me is the fact that they're all kind of in the same vein. Uh, A lot of people asking the same kinds of questions in different ways. So we kind of chose the top five to seven, and we're going to be breaking those down by finishing out the last two uh, today. The first question is kind of a doozy, and it was asked uh, in a variation of 23 different ways. Uh, but it's along the lines of, what about the violence in the Old Testament? To set the context of the question before we pitch it over to you, Jesse, to answer it, in the Old Testament, there seems to be so much evidence of grotesque and gratuitous violence. At points, God even relating himself as someone who smashes babies against the rocks and who offers a command to his people in Deuteronomy chapter 9 and then again in Deuteronomy 20 to slaughter every man, woman, and child in Canaan as a sacrifice to the Lord and to show them no mercy. Let me ask, what are we to do with that? If God is claiming that we should be nonviolent, then why did he spend the entire Old Testament demonstrating acts of grotesque and gratuitous violence? Yeah, I mean, this is a good question, and it comes down to it either because we can see through the character of Jesus uh, and through the idea of cruciformity, you know, that the Bible all centers around Jesus and the character of Jesus, uh, and that that is the truest revelation of God. We have to come to a choice on what to believe. Either um, Jesus and God contradict each other or God is a liar by coming and saying that they are peace and love and then not actually being that in the past or we have to believe that we simply don't see the whole truth Um, which to me seems to make a lot more sense I mean when you look at the Bible through cruciformity the idea that Jesus is the truest revelation of God Jesus is the truth and the way and the light um that when things don't fall into that picture, when they don't really match under that umbrella of cruciformity, there must be more going on that we don't understand. Uh, There has to be more to the story there uh, and context and clues that provide us with a bigger picture. Um, And that oftentimes it seems that the view of God from Old Testament writers was likely not truly what God's intention was, because we know that we serve a peaceful and loving God, and so these depictions of cruel violence don't match with that. Jesse, are you telling me, are you so brazenly saying that the clearest and ultimate revelation of God is in Christ on the cross, and that every other revelation of God throughout the Bible is subservient to that? Crazy enough. (laughs) Yes, that is what I'm telling you. Then um, this is not on our question list, but I'm going to kind of free, freestyle the question then. What about the idea that the Bible is inspired? Because you, you believe that the Bible is inspired. I believe I the Bible is inspired. Then how can there be moments when Old Testament writers paint God in incorrect lights? It's to 
if you want what I think, it's to it's to tell it's to tell a narrative, to tell a story, a growth of a people, a growth of an understanding. Um, is to show when you see things incorrectly, it makes the correct things so much more easy to understand and better. Um, I mean, people always tell me, learn from others' mistakes, learn from, you know, and that's a really good way to learn. Um, and, the, you know, a lot of these violent, inaccurate depictions of God in the Old Testament are that. They're learning from um, things that weren't really 100% uh, accurate. They were, they were um, fallen interpretations um, that can allow us to then see it made pure and beautiful in the life and in, especially in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Bible is, I mean, according to the, cru- the view of cruciformity that we've discussed, is clearly a story of progressive revelation where you learn more and more about God as the story goes on. You also see that this story paints pictures of God that are culturally affected, and this is something that a lot of your symposium is on, so we won't spend time talking about it. But one thing that really jumps out to me about what you just said is that we learn from our shortcomings and the shortcomings of people behind us. And I think that is such a beautiful thing, and it makes sense in light of passages like Psalm 50, verse 21, where God says, For I was silent, and you thought I was like you, but now I will stand up and correct you on that. Or passages like in the books of Isaiah and Daniel in particular, where the prophets admit that they don't truly understand the God that they're trying to write about. They're just doing their best to get glimpses. And when Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that up to the point of, cross, of the cross, uh, we were all seeing God through a veil. But now that the cross is there, the veil has been lifted. Theory of forms that I touched on in the symposium, that the view we get from the fallen world is a broken image of God and not the truest picture. But luckily, we were given the true picture in the moment of Jesus Christ on the cross, dying in love for us. Yeah, and how, how I don't want to say the word foolish, but how foolish is it that we get the full revelation of God and then we choose to keep going back to the veil? I would say uh, pretty foolish, personally. (laughs) I'd agree with you. Let's jump into the second question here, and it's kind of along the lines of the first one. What about divine punishment in the Old Testament? There are moments where it seems that God is inflicting violence upon people to punish them for their sins. What would your um, retaliation to that be? What would your response be? I would say that we have uh, an incorrect view of what is happening. Um, I would say that divine punishment is, is an incorrect term to use. Uh, more accurately, what I would say is happening is divine consequence. In the Bible, it says that um, the wages of sin is death. Uh, sin leads to death. Um, and we often say, oh, it's because God punishes as with death. But that's not what it says. Sin intrinsically leads to death. And so the divine punishment of sin is death. Not because God punished you with death, not because God forced death upon you. It's because you chose sin. We choose sin. And because we choose sin, the punishment is death. You know, what's interesting is as you were talking about this idea in preparation for this podcast, you mentioned a phrase that God is the Savior. And uh, that really resonates powerfully when you consider that sin is the destroying factor. So sin destroys and Jesus saves. Yeah, how beautiful is it that what we choose would kill us what we the path we ch- walk ends in death but instead Jesus came so that he would die instead so that we could live it's almost like the 
the story of sin is cruciform, just like the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. That our sin destroys, the cross saves. So cruciformity, yet again, seems to indicate your view on this. Would you say that, like, at, at these doing these two podcasts with you, working with you on the symposium, this idea of cruciformity, it seems to be kind of like the center of your faith in general. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I would say that's accurate because, you know, a lot of these questions that we're answering and things are things that, you know, six months ago, you know, I would have I would have posed the same questions uh, because I couldn't rationalize the violent, judgmental, hateful God that we see with the loving, compassionate Jesus. Um, and that was when I discovered cruciformity and the idea that G- that God and Jesus is love in his life and did choose to save us um and that view that perspective really changed everything and showed me a beautiful god that my upbringing didn't present to me uh and i fell so deeply in love with that idea of god and that truth in god that of course you know that's what i want to talk about that's what i want to share and that's the center of everything because jesus is the center of everything Well, I think there's nothing better to go out on than that. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, maybe we'll make a part three. We'll see how it works. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys, and I hope you enjoyed the uh, question and answers part two.